You're listening to Fly By Night, a podcast by FedEx Pilots for FedEx Pilots. Brought to you by the FedEx Master Executive Council of the Airline Pilots Association. And now, here's your host, MEC Communications Chair, Captain Chris Lee. Welcome to our TA podcast series. Each podcast episode will begin with Negotiating Committee Chair, Captain Pat May's overview of the process on how the opener goals were established and how we got to where we are now. After that, each podcast will then focus on one section of the TA. Pat, talk to the pilots about this process and how we got to where we are now. Yeah, Chris, what's important for the pilots to understand as we present the information to them throughout these podcasts and other items of education is how we got here. The openers were developed by the MEC in conjunction and coordination with the negotiating committee, but we didn't pull these items out of thin air. They came and were driven by direct pilot input. So this is a pilot-driven contract from beginning to end. First and foremost of those pieces of information were the pilot surveys. We have surveyed the pilots continuously since beginning in 2019. Every six to eight months, those pilot surveys have been statistically significant, and it's informed the MEC on what the openers were and what level of focus our pilots wanted to have. Not only was it surveys, though, we also relied heavily on pilot DART reports, direct emails to contract enforcement, actual contract enforcement cases, grievances, subject matter expert input from our key committees, and finally, the MEC took all this information and we stepped through a very systematic process to highlight and identify the openers for negotiation. So this has been pilot-driven from beginning to end, and that's what informed us on the openers and also established the goals that are laid out in the opener. Thanks, Pat. In this episode of our TA podcast series, we're focusing on Section 1 scope. And joining Pat today is Negotiating Committee member, Captain Rich Brown, and Scope Committee Chair, Captain Randy Brockwell. Thanks for coming. Hi, Chris. Glad to be here. Thanks, Chris. Randy, we often hear a lot about scope in the scope section. Can you talk some about your experience with scope and the roles and responsibilities of your committee? Yeah, sure thing, Chris. Uh, I've been uh, on the scope committee since 2015 and uh, took over as chairman uh, one year later. Scope is probably one of the least understood sections of the contract. Um, it covers everything from uh, mergers, successorship, but, but probably what uh, most people are interested in is uh, the effect of uh, wet leases. As far as when I, uh, the company starts wet leasing, there's uh, a couple of things I look at. I divide wet leases really into two categories, uh, good and bad wet leasing. Bad wet leasing uh, obviously is wet leasing that hurts the pilot group. It's wet leasing that takes flying away from FedEx pilots. On the other hand, um, we see a lot of wet leasing around peak, and we've seen uh, wet leasing in the last couple of years with COVID, where the company's pretty much been operating at max capacity. Uh, We've been hiring a lot of pilots, adding airplanes, and uh, the company's been adding wet leases then in order to capture business that they wouldn't have been able to otherwise. We're seeing then as those wet leases are starting to go away this year that that uh, business that the wet leases have helped the company capture have been uh, reintegrated back into the FedEx bid pack and flown by FedEx pilots. Well, Pat, the company opened Section 1 Scope. Can you talk to the pilots about that? Yeah, Chris, the company opened Section 1, which, uh, again, has been open prior to uh, this negotiation. They've consistently brought Scope back in, and their effort really has been to I think streamline, make the process more efficient, to make it more transparent. 
which again was somewhat welcomed because it, as Randy mentioned, it's, it's an often misunderstood or convoluted process. And quite honestly, it's very complicated. It's an important piece to our contract. We're obviously leery because we don't want to see the company overly rely on scope. We also understand the importance to the business model to allow a certain level of flexibility with scope. It's very different than, say, the regional airlines' use of scope or major airlines' use of their scope provisions. Typically, um, what's going on with passenger carrying airlines is they're, they're losing jobs. They're trading away certain um, pairings or trips, cities, uh, to smaller regional jets, where for FedEx, their typical reliance on scope um, both domestically and internationally, has to do with filling gaps and really taking the the large peaks off of our flying. So during peak season, you'll see frequently and historically here a wet lease that's really meant to deal with the the large volume pickup. And FedEx, you know, they don't want to hire um, and build an airline around December volumes. They would like a much smoother transition throughout that peak, and the wet lease um, system allows them to do that. So from our perspective, it's always about jobs first, and if we're protecting pilots' jobs, then we're doing our job with the scope. FedEx also uh, has an, an interest in capturing short-term business throughout the year that our current wet leasing penalty system doesn't allow them to capture without a penalty might be such things like uh, product launches or when when the new iPhones come out or there'll be a significant amount of list, lift over a short period of time that we can't take our airplanes off of their scheduled routes to, to do that uh, flying. So we, we utilize wet leases to, to capture that business for the company. Well, since the company opened Scope, can you talk some about the company's goals with their openers? Yeah, Chris, the company in their, in their openers... Uh, they had uh, three main things that they wanted to do, um, and that was to enhance their, uh, their wet leasing flexibility, to provide uh, greater transparency, and to simplify the current process for wet leasing and for the penalty process. You mentioned what the company was seeking in their opener. Can you talk some about how that manifested itself in bargaining? Yeah, Chris, before we look at the actual bargaining, I think we need to understand the problems with the current system uh, that we have. Uh, our wet lease penalty payment system uh, under previous contracts is really unnecessarily complex. Uh, in a nutshell, what it requires the company to do is determine those flights that were historically flown by FedEx pilots, uh, turn around and build virtual uh, pairings as if those wet leases had been flown by FedEx pilots, and then uh, multiply that times a pay rate for an average FedEx crew that would be flying those flights. That's turn, uh, in turn uh, forwarded to the scope committee who basically QCs it by doing the same thing. Uh, it takes a lot of man hours on the company's part. It takes a lot of man hours on the scope committee's part. We tend to k- uh, kick disagreements back and forth uh, at least a couple of times, and that's one of the reasons that you see scope payments that uh, were generated during peak not being actually paid until nine or ten months later. That's only the tip of the iceberg about the formulas. There's uh, bid month limitations and different sections and different calculations for different sections within the scope, which is why the company wanted to simplify the formula. And frankly, that's to our advantage as well, because it allows us to have more transparency and clarity on the penalties that the, the company is incurring while they're doing this flying. And it takes away the work that we do as far as 
having to QC the company's virtual pairings that they create from this historical flying. Well, Randy, as to how the penalty is calculated, what's changed? It's uh, greatly simplified. Now the uh, calculations are based simply upon the number of revenue block hours that the company flew in a fiscal year and the number of block hours flown by wet leases in the same fiscal year. If the wet leases exceed uh, a certain limit, then penalties have to be paid at that point. So the entire calculations can be done literally in a matter of minutes as opposed to the weeks and months that we've been doing in the past. That's right, Randy. And uh, in addition to that, uh, if the company doesn't add airframes during a a given calendar year, the next uh, fiscal year's percentages will be reduced so that the penalties will uh, start accruing at a lower rate of wet leasing. And why was that important to us? For us, Chris, um, again, I go back to the original statement that our scope penalties are about job protection. So jobs for FedEx pilots. We don't want to, uh, the company trading off wet lease agreements in lieu of hiring. And I think Randy mentioned this last couple of years has been a good example that the company has hired every single pilot they could put them through the schoolhouse, yet they still had to wet lease at a historical high rate. So what we want to do is give credit for the company when they're actually accruing new hulls. So we know that new hulls are coming online, just as we've seen here in the past couple of years, but they're also allowed a wet lease at a lower penalty rate. So financially, there's less penalty involved when the company's actively adding airframes. On the reciprocal of that, uh, if the company's actually retiring airframes and the airline happens to be shrinking, then, of course, we want to ratchet up the penalty payment in that event. By ratcheting up and ratcheting down the, the penalty payments, what, what actually changes is the percentage of wet leasing that the company can do before they accrue a penalty, which does affect how big the penalty is. But the penalty itself that the company is paying for each wet lease hour is not what's changing there. And ultimately, it's costing the company more money to go out and do these wet leases. And why we have this graduated scale, it's costing them more money based off of more wet lease hours per year. So they're really disincentivizing the company to go out and trade wet lease in lieu of new hire pilots. The company's always going to want to put purple pilots in purple jets to fly our freight. Can you talk some about how this is going to impact our scope penalty payments? Yeah, Chris, from historical scope penalty payments, when we compare it, there's obviously some savings here for the company, um, which we don't want to talk past. There's clear reasons why we did this, why we felt it was important this time around to negotiate on scope. Um, And some of the advantages that we saw of actually engaging on this issue were found in other areas of the contract that we believe to be worth opening up the discussion on scope. We also identified key areas within scope that we felt were important to bring to the table. Even though we didn't open it, we wanted to take the opportunity while scope was open to deal with these issues. For example, uh, the company today, without this new change, they can wet lease as much and as frequently as they like, with or without penalty, and they also could be in the midst of either reduced pay through the 4A2C provisions, or they could even be furloughing pilots while this is going on in today's language. Uh, There is no limit. There's no restriction on any of of that today. But with the new language, we actually address that issue. I think you also have to remember that with the new wet leasing language that there are some wet lease block hours that are not currently captured by the current formula that would be captured under the new formula. 
Yeah, under the uh, current system, we know that it's taken a long time to get uh, our wet lease payments. Uh, in the last case, uh, over eight months. In the current case, it's more like nine months. The new system, in addition to being a lot simpler, uh, is clearly defined that uh, instead of being tied to the wet lease contracts, the wet lease penalties are tied to the calendar. And that's going to be uh, wet lease payments will be provided no later than the end of the first quarter of the fiscal year for FedEx, which will be uh, by the end of August of every year. So the uh, the new formula, the new provisions, not only help us get the correct numbers, there was a significant number of disputed hours in the last uh, payment that we spent a long time working on, and that was one of the reasons for the big delay in the payment. So the new the new language will help us to get the right amount at the right time and get it paid out to the union. It sounds like the company resolved some of their issues with regard to the complexities of the current wet lease. But does it change the amount of wet leasing that the company can do? Well, no, there's never actually been a limit to the amount of wet leasing the company could do. It's just a matter of how much wet leasing could the company do without penalty. There are some important changes with the new agreement. If the company decides to enter Section 4A2C, then uh, they cannot extend, renew, or enter into any new wet leasing. And that's a significant change to, to protect pilot jobs. We do need to point out that there's an exception for the true peak period between uh, November 15th and the last day of the December bid period for that, uh, that restriction that Randy just mentioned. So in addition to uh, the limits we placed on uh, the company during 4A2C, we also had an additional uh, penalty that was applied if there is an inver- involuntary furlough. This provision, it uh, provides a payment to be made to all of the furloughed pilots if the company wet leases while they are out on furlough. Well, as we close out this podcast on Section 1 Scope, are there any final thoughts? Yeah, Chris, the company clearly identified items that they wanted to include for bargaining in when they opened Section 1. As we've said, we did not open Section 1, but the company's priorities were uh, increased transparency, um, overall simplicity, and some flexibility that they don't have under the current language. Um, and ultimately, again, as we discussed, this results in um, a reduced penalty payment for them when compared to historical penalty payments. We acknowledge that that they achieved that. Um, but there were some good reasons for us to also engage in, in scope and in discussion, and we certainly had an important piece that we wanted to bring to the table. Um, but first, the penalties have never prevented the company from utilizing wet leases. Uh, it just ratchets up the amount that they pay as they increase usage of wet lease due to customer demand. And we, as a pilot group, benefit from that overall customer demand increase, and we turn those into long-term customers. So we want to encourage the company to continue to be smart about wet lease utilization, but not trade that for our own pilot jobs. Uh, second, you know, the money per pilot historically just has not been that significant. Uh, it's essentially amounted to three figures for most pilots uh, when these calculations are done. So we didn't see it as insurmountable or significant in terms of the impact on a per-pilot basis. Uh, and the last thing is we were able to achieve hard limits on new wet leases if the company invokes 4A2C and it increases penalties during a furlough. And for the first time, specifically penalty payments that are routed directly to the pilots on furlough status. Thanks for coming. And thanks for listening to this episode of our TA podcast series on Section 1 Scope. Throughout this process, you can get the most factual information at our TA website, fdxta.com.
There you'll find the actual TA document, TA highlights, TA frequently asked questions, videos, these podcasts, and other information. Once again, thanks for listening. And as always, be safe out there and we'll see you next time.